Hello and welcome to episode 62 of Booze, Booms and Busts, the podcast where we quaff a couple of beers while discussing market events. Sam, how are you getting on this week? Uh, I'm all right. This is, uh, we, I was going to say this is the second time in a, in a day that we've uh, been video to video, face to face, having a chat about about things. Obviously, we we got on earlier with Southbook, uh, Southbook, South Bank Investment Research Live on YouTube. So it's uh, it's nice to follow this up at the other end of the day because it's been a pretty fucking eventful day, I must add. Um, not nonetheless that uh, I I have been looking at uh, schools this afternoon for my two and a half year old. Believe it or not. Um, so, so very well ready for a drink. Um, but the thing that caught my attention was uh, that Tory MP bloke that just got stabbed and killed in his fucking office. How fucked up is that? Did that, did that happen in an office? I, uh, the headline I saw was in a church, but I've not looked into it much. Well, I, 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 maybe it was a church. I'm not sure. But he was, he was basically just doing his MP business, right? And some dude came in and stabbed him and he's dead. Yeah. Very, very grim indeed. Very That's, grim. Like, no matter how much you might hate politicians, no matter how much you might disagree with someone's view, that's you're you're messed up in the head for going and just stabbing someone like that. Yeah. That's that's fucked up. It's a, you know what? It's a reflection yeah. on the world at the moment as well, a little bit, right? Is that just or maybe it's always been like this? I don't know. That just people are incapable of accepting to disagree with somebody else on their views or what they do. I don't know. It's just, it's all a bit fucked up. It's a bit morbid to start with, but um, it just, I was just like, if, if you're, if I'll, I'll say this to everyone listening, if you're thinking about doing harm to anyone because you don't like what they say, take a fucking hard look at yourself. <laughs> I'm sure no one listening would, would even contemplate that, yeah. but just in case you need reminding, don't hurt other people, please. I have no doubt, Sam, that uh, you know any esteemed listener of Booze, Booms, and Bust would never be so. Uh, we're, we're, is a you know is a we love us we love us not fighters, aren't we? Yeah, that's certainly certainly the case. I would say it's a very more morbid story. I haven't looked into it in a great deal of detail. I have been working uh, most of the time till now, but I did hear about that. It does sound very very grim. Yeah, it made me a bit sad. Of affairs for the UK. It's very important on our. Uh, the first time either was it joe cox the mp that was killed a couple of years ago as well yeah uh, well, it was uh more than that it was back in 2016 wasn't it um yeah yeah not a not a happy state of affairs i must say no indeed but we shall move on to bigger and brighter things because um, oh, yeah. it's a friday yeah. afternoon time to drink some piss <laughs> <laughs> yeah it is a uh yeah it has been it's strange, actually, because we did record one episode of Booze, Booms and Bust on Monday. Uh, we were rather uh, a little more wore down, as some uh, some listeners may note back then. Uh, yeah, doing a, a triple B on Monday isn't ideal, but uh, here yeah. we are on a Friday. We've got the beer. It's been uh, has been quite a week. And uh, yeah, we have plenty to discuss. You know, Sam, there was one thing uh, I'd like to I'd like to mention. Have you watched the new James Bond yet? I I haven't. Uh, it is. It's. Uh, it's very high on my agenda. It's. Uh, admittedly, getting out to a cinema has not been high on my list of things to do with a fourteen-week-old child and a two-and-a-half-year-old. The first chance I get to to have two to three hours to myself, I'm fucking going to sleep. I'm not going to lie. No, that's fair enough. It's fair <laughs> enough. I did. I didn't. I did assume that you hadn't seen it yet. Uh, and I will say to anyone, anyone listening, I won't, I will not spoil anything. But I did see that this week. 
Uh, I took work. I uh, I took the afternoon off just to uh, just to go and see it because it's completely packed. Nice. Uh, in all of the all the normal ones, and it was something I I'd actually you know my girlfriend and I she we'd pre-ordered tickets to see it mm. uh, way back in 2020 when it was going to come out. Oh really? Yeah, and it was cancelled, and so you know, uh, and then you know the picture house, the the cinema chain we were going to. Uh, you know, it was obviously in huge, very poor financial straits during the lockdown. Uh, I can't, I think we know if we managed to get our money back eventually, but uh, it, it was something I really wanted to see. And, um, you know, the fact that they cancelled it, because they cancelled it, if memory serves, before the lockdown was actually a government decision. So they, they cancelled it because they were afraid they weren't going to make enough money. Uh, or weren't, yeah, they weren't going to make enough money because people were afraid to go to cinema. So it was before the actual government ruling, which kind of irked me a bit. It was similar with uh, with Top Gun 2, uh, where oh, yeah. they, they cancelled it before there were actually lockdowns going on in the West because they were afraid of uh, lost revenue. So, you know, I, uh, I felt it was sort of unfinished business here. I was meant to watch this damn movie. <laughs> uh, finally get around to watching it. I will, I, like I say, I won't, I won't put any spoilers, but it is unlike any other Bond movie. Uh, there is a very uh, serious event that takes place. It's not happened in any other Bond movie before. And um, it is leaving a lot of people, uh, you know, they have mixed feelings on it. And in terms of my, my general view in the film, uh, you know, they had, it had its moments. It had some, some elements which I didn't think were quite so good and some kind of, I thought, I thought were kind of politically motivated elements that have been added into it. Uh, and, but, yeah, the ending is the ending is, is kind of the big thing. Uh, you know, it's very it's quite an ending. They haven't really done that in a Bond movie before. And I I, I would reiterate my I, my advice that I gave you a few episodes ago. You were what you were thinking of buying a gold bullion bar which had no That's time right. to die branding. You're still considering and, it. And I'm glad that I said I recommended against it because all that you know it has its moments, but uh, it didn't it didn't really do it for me. That's well. I'm 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 kind of glad I dodged that bullet. <laughs> to be honest, <laughs> they, they've they've released some much more interesting um, bullion coins since then. The the mint, um, and even actually, funnily enough, they have a couple that are still for sale. Um, but no, I'm yeah. I, I I've heard mixed things about. Do, do you do you think? Um, again, we I can't remember what episode it was. We mentioned the return of, on investment of of Bond films declining over time. Do you think? Yeah, yeah. You think this is going to get any higher than maybe? Three, two or three times its uh, its cost. Uh, yeah. I mean, in terms of actually recouping the cost, I I doubt it'll manage to somehow bring back the heady days of twenty three x return on investment. I think it was uh, what was it, Live and Let Die? I think was the nineteen seventy three one. That's where it kind of yeah. felt that was the last stand of Bond movies actually making huge returns for investors. But uh, yeah, I don't think I'll make more than two or three. But the thing is, that's all they want now is you know two or three x return on investment. I think they're very happy yeah. considering the amount of money goes into these. I mean, things. you drop a couple of hundred. So, million, Sam, who do you think is that? Yeah, and make a couple of hundred million yeah. back. That's probably not a bad outcome. Yeah, I mean, the there's one of these sort of uh, diminishing returns ideas. Like when you when you or you know when you're when you're a small investor, you're willing to take high risks. When you when you're rich, you just want to preserve your money, and that's that's what the the bond franchise is about, I guess. I mean, yeah, you, it's, it's all it's all it's all perspective, though, right? So, like, you know, if if you've got ten grand and you want to make a million, then you're going to want a bigger return. But if you've got a million and you want to make two, you don't need such a big return. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Um, yeah, Sam, what, do, who, what? Who do you think is going to be the next James Bond? <laughs> 
Do you know what? I think it's one of those film franchises that they should quit. Retire it permanently. Re- huh? Retire it permanently. And then reboot it in 30 years time. Like I heard, I heard this week that they're rebooting the Home Alone uh, movies. Oh yeah. And I was in the car with my wife at the time. And, and I heard, and they're like, they're rebooting. We love Home Alone. Like the, the first Home Alone and Home Alone 2. Fantastic. Great Christmas movies. Um, fun for the whole family every time you're watching. And I was sat in the car with her. Uh, and I remember I was turning the corner and it came on and it was like, Home Alone's getting rebooted. And I'm just like, what the fuck? It's going to be shit. We all know it's going to be shit. And then she said to me, she goes, yeah, but think about all those movies that you like, that you think are originals. And then our parents are like, oh, I remember the original. That was a great movie. These reboots are shit. I was like, have we gotten to that age now where everything's getting rebooted from when we were younger and and we think it's going to be shit, but it's actually probably going to be great to the new generation of of moviegoers. So, you know, I still think Home Alone, the rebooted Home Alone is going to be shit. I mean, Home Alone is nothing without Macaulay Culkin. And it'd be awkward, really, if he was in it now. He'll probably cameo in it, but you know, who knows? Too many reboots. I don't think there's been an original movie idea in the last fucking ten years. Prove prove me different. As I've as I've argued on this podcast before, it's still it's all a function of low interest rates. It was started <laughs> with started with two thousand eight with Iron Man. You know, superhero movie does really well, and ever since, everyone just like levers up and goes just does the same thing all over again. Um, though I would stress, Sam, Home Alone is not. It, Home Alone and James Bond are maybe slightly different in that Home Alone is uh, is not an instrument of British soft power. <laughs> I don't think they can retire it for thirty years and then just bring it back again. You know, a lot of people like you know, or, you know if you go further out in the world, like a lot, a lot of uh, a lot of folks will like will know nothing about the UK other than James Bond. That's like, true. That is, that is it. That's it what they think true. being Britain's like. So that, James um, Bond and David Beckham. Uh, yeah yeah exactly exactly speaking um, about soft instruments of british power <laughs> yeah it's uh, it's funny the whole bond thing and how it uh you know the debate over who should be the next bond well do you remember was it uh was it ed miller should be a scotsman should go back should go back to the og roots should be return to tradition huh yeah yeah i uh was it ed Miliband who said bond should be a woman I think I think Ed Milburn, when he was, you know, in his uh, Hail Mary, you know, attempt to remain relevant when he was like <laughs> Labour leader, uh, you know, just doomed to failure. Uh, Someone said went. it recently as well. Um, uh, oh, yeah. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. But uh, it was Ed Milburn with his uh, this is what a feminist looks like T-shirt saying James Bond should definitely be a woman. And you just knew that he was just saying whatever his, <laughs> you know, his, his, his PR person had said. This is what the kids like these days. As if he's even watched a James Bond movie. Well, you know, Pierce Brosnan hadn't watched any of the Bond movies before he came Bond. Um, that I can understand. That yeah. I can I can understand that because I don't. He maybe he just wasn't interested in them. But I can also see that even after getting the role, why you wouldn't watch them? You'd yeah, want you'd, you'd want, want to. to you'd want it. Yeah, you'd want to put your own stamp on it without trying to imitate those that have had come before. Um, which, to be fair, every Bond has been very unique in their own right. Hmm. So I think that's what they'll do for the next one, is they'll look to bring some element of something that hasn't necessarily been done with Bond before. So, like, as we know, sort of Daniel Craig was quite a... um, uh, 
uh, probably the best way to describe it is a, is a reserved, going to punch you up in an elevator style bond. Um, whereas the next one might be a little bit more suave and sophisticated, a little bit more nuanced in their approach to uh, espionage. Yeah, I wonder what it reflects. I think it'll be uh, whoever it will be will be somewhat something of a reflection of whoever it's meant, whoever the audience is meant to be. So I think whoever they do pick will be definitely targeted at making millennials feel happy rather than boomers. Um, I do think, yeah, as you say, they should cast a Scotsman. I think, I think they're gonna. I think Richard Madden is probably somebody I would say is. I uh, would probably be my pick, but I think it's. I think it's possible that he will get picked because uh, if you just say well we're just being true to the original where he is a scotsman you avoid all of the kind of diversity uh you know guys who say it should be you know either a woman or uh, or an ethnic minority or something you know a lot of like you know i was speaking to someone recently he, he was like you know it's going to it's just going to be idris elba and a lot of people are like it's idris elba but idris elba is only a few years younger than daniel craig yeah and when you consider that they're gonna like they're gonna rinse this guy for at least a 10 years and yeah. you can't really be play cast in anything else during that period it's like why would you get rid of daniel craig if you were going yeah. to uh if you're going to cast a and, guy of the same age and not only that but idris elba's i think he's i'm pretty sure he's on record saying that he just couldn't do the physicality that's required of the role in the kind of role that he would need to probably be for a bond which would like you say would be similar to daniel craig i think it's basically replacing like for like and even he said you know i'm too old for, to, for this, this sort of physicality side mm. of it so i i don't think it'll be him i, I and it, the thing is with bonds as well it's never the obvious thing it's never the obvious choice that people think and i think that the they intentionally do that as well as they don't want to bring in the biggest of big stars and big names to play these roles. They still want someone that's got a little bit of, I don't know what the right word is, it's still a little bit more of an unknown factor to them. Yeah, big time, because they don't want somebody who's known for something else to sort of pollute the James Bond brand. Yeah. Everyone who's been a James Bond, like, okay, I'm sure there are plenty of movies that Roger Moore was in, right? But he's thought yeah. of today being the yeah. bar as being Bond. Yeah, exactly. uh, and it's the same with Pierce Brosnan, even though he's been in all manner of things. Yeah, and same um, with Craig. Like Daniel Craig was in loads of stuff beforehand, but not never like, like global yeah. movie stardom style that 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 it that effectively is what James Bond actors become. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Sam, you're in for you're in for an experience whenever you do get around to uh, to watching No Time to Die, or, unless it, uh, unless it appears on one of the streaming channels anytime soon. I, I doubt I'm going to see it. If it, if like if it appeared tomorrow on I don't know, is it would it would it be a, would it be a Disney? Is it a Disney thing? Who I it. probably Amazon or something? I don't know. I don't think they've uh, they've Putin movies or something like that. At least the rights to any of the old films to all the networking ones, but. It's a good question. Yeah. Yeah. I'd pay for it. I'd pay for it to watch it at home just because I, I, the thought of going to a cinema, oh, <laughs> at the best of times, it's a struggle. Um, yeah, no, I'm going to like, I think I'm going to watch Black Widow this weekend because it's finally free on Disney Plus. So, right, right. There's the, the extent yeah, on, on the topic of reboots uh, created by low interest rates, another Marvel cape shit film. Yeah. Oh, everyone says it's pretty average, but fuck it. I can't, I've committed so long to this goddamn movie franchise. I can't leave one. He's in too deep. It's mission creep. Oh, yeah. He can't back out. I'm, I'm deep. I'm too deep. You know, what's your take on uh, on that note? Because uh, the Black Widow thing, you've got Scarlett Johansson, uh, what, suing Disney? Yeah. For, yeah. for, what is it? It Was it because so, it wasn't in the motion? Yeah. It wasn't 
it was supposed to be released at the cinema and i think her contract was based on box office receipts but that didn't include streaming receipts or something and so i think that because they then decided to not release it at the box office and released it on sort of streaming box office that she was like done out of a couple of million bucks or something like that so she sued them for i think breach of contract or something like that but um i mean it's a bit rich really on her part yeah it's funny uh funny situation yeah it's a pretty abnormal situation that the world was in and i think disney probably made the right call in releasing it to as many people as they could uh who were still at home and people that were perhaps not comfortable in going out anymore and things like that so maybe they should have looked to tweak the deal a bit more in her favor you know if they're going to shift the goalposts like that they should shift it for everyone but i mean what do you expect from a major movie studio? Even one that's supposed to be backed by a friendly little mouse. Yeah. You see, like none of this was a problem back when XRP was the standard, you know? Yeah. Well, it was a different, you know, when, when people were getting paid in XRP, it was, it was a different world, different world back then. When, you know, before payment was a word and we used to just remit things, <laughs> you know, life was just a lot simpler, you know? Um, yeah. You know, I was talking about day, remitting, actually, I was talking about remitting today. Um, or was it no? I was satoshiing. I was going to satoshi all over people. Um, I believe was the term. Um, yeah, you. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah. You can never use. You can never mix those verbs, mate. You. It's got to be. You either remit or you satoshi. It's not. It's not one or the other. You can't. Um, you can't remit and satoshi at the same time. Is no. that a bit like how you can't sneeze with your eyes open? Yeah. Yeah. Big time. Big time. It's. It's a very similar thing. You know, remittance. And Satoshi uh, transactions are, you know, you, you can't mix them. You, it's like <laughs> mixing Baileys with vodka or something. Do you know what I should do is I want to try this. I want to actually have a proper race between fiat money moving from one country to another and Satoshi. I'm going to race some Aussie dollars into my British bank account. And I'm going to race Satoshi from a wallet in Australia to a wallet in the UK. And I'm going to see how, I'm going to see who wins. Well, I mean, if you're using Lightning Network, you already know who wins. Um, yeah, no, I'm just just traditional on-chain, on-chain send. All right, yeah. three confirmations or six? Oh, that's a good question. That makes a big difference. It does make a big difference. Um, three is good enough for the exchange. Th yeah, three is three is probably good enough for me. I, I I'm going to throw this out there, knowing how fast I can remit fiat money without having to use the standard um i think this is going to be a lot closer or perhaps even surprise a lot of people as to the outcome of this uh i wouldn't be at all surprised if your uh your you know bank bank error not in your favor uh do not collect your australian dollar sam because uh we, we've detected some suspicious activity here and we don't think you should be doing it I should probably also add, I'm going to do this on a weekday. Now, if I was going to do this on a Friday night or a Saturday, then Bitcoin would win without question. But on a weekday, when shit's open, I yeah. think it's going to be a lot closer than people might expect. Uh, when shit's open in the UK or in Australia? Uh, it shouldn't matter during the week. Mm. I'm What I'm saying is that I, I can remit quite quickly. I've no doubt about that. Through Sam, traditional no channels, I can remit very fast. <laughs> yeah, 
It's uh, it's quite a skill, Sam has actually. Uh, is, uh, the, the other the other question: there should be some sort of weighting system as to how much I lose in fees and conversion rates, um, which can be done as well. Because there's obviously a network fee with Bitcoin, but then there's obviously withdrawal fees from uh, from the remitting, and there's also currency conversion fees from the remitting, and there's obviously the wholesale rate and the market rate fees. Oh, well, not fees, but the market rate, the divergence, which um, which fluctuates. So, uh, hmm. to make this fair, to make this fair, I would say you, it needs to be Aussie dollar to Bitcoin on a Aussie fiat exchange sent to a private wallet in the UK, sent to a Bitcoin a fiat Bitcoin Bitcoin exchange in the UK, swap back to pounds. Yeah, see, I I actually want to eventually get the money, so. I might have to, I might have to do some of those steps beforehand. <laughs> like, I mean, there's, I have no doubt, you know, that once you send a, a Bitcoin um, transaction from one Bitcoin wallet to another, it happens. Um, what doesn't necessarily always happen is that I, I'm not, I'm not even sure I can, I can, I don't think I actually, I can actually buy crypto from my Aussie bank account anymore. Oh, right. Yeah. Mm. The, uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, this is becoming an you know an increasingly large problem, is it? The, the issue with banks not wanting to actually deal with crypto institutions and stuff. We did dwell on this a little bit uh, last, well, not last week, actually, just back on Monday, didn't we? Mm-hmm. Though, Sam, uh, I do do realize we've gone slightly off course here. I've yeah. already cleaned my first beer. I mean, <laughs> uh, what, uh, what were you drinking this week? Um, so I started off with a beer... I've started off with a beer. There you go. It's a break, breaking news uh, from the Harbour Brewing nice. Co. in Kirkland uh, in North Cornwall. Uh, and it's called Step Into Liquid Black IPA. Uh, caramelized fruit embers. The palate is a roasted malt tropical soft and the finish is citrus and floral. Uh, black can with cool kind of purple... Uh, design on the bottom half and it is an ipa and it is as close to black as you could probably get for an ipa um when i i'm showing boaz on my webcam and it looks very black it's it's really a very Very deep brown almost like a the color of coca-cola but not quite um so i wasn't quite sure what to expect with this to be honest it's five percent uh abv um, I wasn't quite sure. I thought it might have been maybe a bit more stouty, uh, but it's actually proving to be quite a good IPA, uh, to my surprise. Um, it's it certainly the description that it gives around that sort of caramelized fruit uh, is certainly, I think, what you get as a byproduct of it being sort of dark in this sense with the sort of roasted malt kind of flavors, but definitely more an IPA and not not as stouty as I expected as, as it could be. So, uh, yeah, it's actually very... Very good so far. So uh, yeah, surprisingly, surprisingly happy with this one. Would you? Are you ha- prepared to work to uh, to rate that, or uh, shall we wait until you're finished? Ah, uh, we should probably wait a little bit longer. I've uh, <laughs> I went, uh, so when we went to look at so we went looking at uh, a school uh, this afternoon for Max, and we decided that after we'd look at the school, we'd just just nip into a pub. Max was at home with his um, with his grandma, and uh, we had our other son. Uh, with us uh and so we nipped into the pub and we had a couple of pints just to describe uh describe to discuss 
the school and what we thought and and so forth. So I, I'm already a couple deep um, before kicking off today. So I'm a little bit slow on the uptake with this one, but uh, I'll catch up. But yeah, dare I say it, half cut. Not half cut. Um, they were, cut. It, it was. I had two pints, but one was only like a three point five, and one was only like four point six. So um, not quite there yet. Hmm. Quarter cut. Yeah. I have absolutely caned my first beer. Uh, <laughs> really just went for it. This was very nice. Uh, mm. I bought this. Uh, so I'm here in Chester at the moment. This is from the Conwy Brewery, uh, which is in Wales. Uh, so I'm in Chester at the moment. Wales isn't too far away. And mm. uh, this one's called Rampart, which is a dark malty ale. Mm. And uh, yeah, this is bottle conditioned. Always do like some bottle conditioned mm. beer. And uh, yeah. The taste is apparently floral aromas followed by a long-lasting sweet malty finish with hints of burnt caramel. The occasion when something more substantial and full-bodied is called for, dot, dot, dot. And supposedly this is meant to be good with roast dinners. Um, but no, this was very... That's not what I was thinking at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so 4.8% ABV, 500 ml bottle, and... Uh, yeah, uh, Rampart, very nice indeed. I shall. I'll, I'm going to give this a. I think I'm going to give this a B plus. Very nice, very nice beer. Uh, but I'm now onto something much harder, so I should be able to catch up with Sam very quickly. This is called, and maybe yeah, this is, yeah, this has probably got a lot of market applications. This is called impending sense of doom. Ah, ten and a half percent. Peated, fucking hell peated red barley wine uh <laughs> this is by Torside brewing i've had a few of their beers before and they they all of their labels have like dragons on the front and i've had a few of them they're, they're they do a lot of these strong barley wines and different kinds types of barley wines which i'm always a big fan of uh and yeah so this is uh the description is our monsters beer beers are party guiles Brewed with the richer, stronger wort from early in the brewing process, we hop and ferment them accordingly. This is the big sibling of Red Right Hand. We gave it an extra steep in some peat smoked, smoked malt, to, malt to make it particularly striking on the palate. We think it's still quite restrained, but it will mellow further with age. Now, I bought this um, probably at, at least a year ago, maybe even oh, wow. two years. Right. Uh, and I found it, I'd forgotten about it and I found it again at my girlfriend's place. And uh, so this should have mellowed with age. Uh, the artwork is by a lady called Emma Sidwell, who's got a, uh, who's done this little monster on the front. Yeah, 10 and a half percent. How long, how long can you, can you keep something like a barley wine? Is it like, is it like a like wine like wine, wine that you can actually keep for, you know, years and years and years? I think it'd probably be better than wine. I don't think beer goes off in quite the same way, though. Uh, you'd be you'd be at risk of it uh, of it fermenting too much and blowing up. Uh, I think, <laughs> but this is ten and a half percent, so uh, fizzy fizziness is kept to a minimum. So, huh. yeah, a peated one, peated barley one. Here we go. Oh, he's he's consuming it, folks, and he's drunk already. God, it does what it says on the tin. <laughs> oh my lord! Wow! 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 I've never had any, that is, that is a first. I've never had anything quite like that before. When they say peated, I mean, they mean peated. It's like you've just, just gone into a field and just started munching into the ground. It feels like I've just been whacked over the head with a bottle of Ardbeg. Like someone's just glassed me in a whiskey bar with a bottle of Ardbeg. Just smell peat for days. 
remember I used to work at a garden center when I was at uni. It's like a part-time job. We used to sell like these bundles of peat moss shit. And it, it was in these like plastic bag, like vacuum sealed. They were like big sort of like half meter by half meter kind of squares of peat. I just remember when you opened those things, they just reeked. They just stunk. Stunk of mm. earth. Yeah. Yeah, but you're burning. Have you ever burnt peat? No, I'm guessing it stinks like burnt hair. Uh, no, no, it's not that bad. Not that bad. It's, it's very distinctive though. Yeah, you know, because all the peat marshes you get in Scotland, you can buy the peat. Uh, they dig up and it just burns fine. It's, like, it's a bit like coal almost, but not, uh, not nearly so, so dense, I guess. But yeah, it's just very- one of those unique smells that you can never forget. Like, yeah. like yeast. They used to go to school uh, near a brewery and like, uh, you could you'd walk to school in the morning, and if they were doing, you know, if they were doing a batch, and you could just just stank of yeast. It's a mm. smell you can never forget, etched have into you, the mind. Have you ever been sick after drinking too much peat whiskey? Uh, no, no. To be fair, I don't drink a lot of peat whiskey. Right, right. Yeah. Well, you probably wouldn't if you'd ever. <laughs> you probably wouldn't again after if you've ever chundered after drinking too much peat whiskey. <laughs> Yeah, it was a long time before I touched anything peated again, many years. Yeah, that's a smell you don't forget. I'll tell you that. (laughs) Dear. Hey, um, speaking of things that you don't forget, um, we we could go through a lot of a lot of direction with where we head next. Um, I I want to talk about I want to talk about something pretty random, um, which kind of fits in with the whole. Um, low interest rates and cheap money just fucking up the world. Um, okay. So, have you seen? Have you have you seen this dude with his restaurant in London? This Salt Bay guy. Oh yeah, he was a big meme back in like twenty. Was it twenty nineteen when he was a big meme? Yeah, I I don't I don't know. He became I don't know when exactly, but he became a big meme because he like bounced the salt. He was like he like he had a pinch of salt and he'd like bounce it off his forearm onto the steaks and then he'd like slice it up with his like surgical gloves on. And, um, you know, he, he became this, this whole thing and he opened the restaurant. He's got restaurants, I think all over the world, but he opened one in London and it's like something like, uh, the, the steaks are like covered in gold leaf and he slices them up at the table and they're like, like, like a thousand pounds for a, for a steak. And people, there's so early on when he opened it up, there's some like reviewers went in and they were just like, oh, it's like this experience of uh, the Salt Bay. And oh my God, it's just so delightful. But now you're getting all these rumors and rumors, all these reviews coming through. And people are saying it's just like a fancy dressed up bistro uh, in which some dude just comes on and just sweats over your meal and then throws salt at your face. Um, I just, I just, I don't know why, but I find this just the most weird, fascinating reflection of the divergence in our world between sort of the excess and then everyone else. Like who goes to a restaurant from a guy who was made famous by a meme to spend a thousand pounds on a steak coated in gold leaf, which by the way, if people don't know, gold leaf is stupidly fucking cheap, Um, but it just looks nice. And uh, I don't know. It's, it, it, (laughs) <laughs> I, don't, I don't really know what to say about it but i just it, it's a spectacle yeah it is a spectacle i um i wonder if I, I guess i wonder if this is this is something that's going to stay or if it's always been but just not been in such a uh in your face kind of fashion mm, yeah well 
that's the thing. I mean, you get these things that are considered outrageous, right? There's, uh, I remember it was Jimmy Goldsmith uh, back in the 80s is saying, you know, uh, you know, during eras, yeah, he made the, this connection between vigor and vulgarity. And if you ever want to have vigor in society, then you must accept and you must be fine with there being spectacles of vulgarity, because this is when, you know, this is when they saw primal animal spirits and the kind of um, sort of hedonistic flamboyant things gets displayed but you don't actually see all that much vigor these days not that i see anyway so maybe uh, maybe that's not the best comparison to make the thing with salt bay i understand um i understand like his london restaurant i believe is meant to have like be, be the most expensive of all of his you can buy that a thousand pound steak or whatever uh there's one in dubai and it'll cost half the price and if you go to istanbul it'll cost half the price of that and it's the same product the only reason is there are loads of idiots in London who will be like, yo, look, this is me on Snapchat. I'm in Salt Bay's restaurant. And I, I believe Salt Bay actually went bankrupt during the, the lockdown, uh, as so many other places did. But, you know, he just managed to get that, that loan again and, you know, started up all over. And he's obviously very good at his branding. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not... Uh, only started eating meat relatively recently. I've only had it like I can count the number of steaks I've had on on one hand actually. But uh, you know, does anyone actually want to consume? I would be interested what happens if you consume a lot of gold leaf. I mean, how what's the most gold leaf you've ever you've ever consumed? See, I've wondered this actually before because I've got I think I might have mentioned it on this before. I've got a bottle of champagne with um, gold leaf in it back uh, in Australia, which I may never see again. But anyway, that's another story. Yeah. Um, and I, and I was thinking to myself, what happens if you consume it? Like, Nothing. what happens if you consume any of it? Like, can, uh, you, can you consume gold leaf at all? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I mean, there are there are pills you can buy that just contain loads of gold leaf, and it just makes makes you shit gold pretty much. Um, <laughs> I remember seeing that like years ago. No, it's perfectly fine. That's the thing with gold, right? Uh, it, well, that's what makes it special is it's inert. So your body doesn't do anything with it. And you just you just pass it, right? Um, so it's fine to consume it. I remember um, Smirnoff. They, maybe they even still do it. Smirnoff used to do a, a cinnamon one. It was called like Smirnoff, Smirnoff Special or Smirnoff Celebration or something. And it was full of gold leaf. And, uh, you know, people would love it. But yeah, it's, it's a, completely it's fine. A, gold leaf's a bit of a wank, really. Hmm. Well, I, I mean, I'm just curious, like, what's it, how much of that, what does it feel like eating a lot of gold leaf? It's a good question. I mean, I don't, I, do you know, if someone, if someone paid for the meal, I would go to Salt Bay's restaurant and find out. Um, but I don't feel, think I feel, feel comfortable spending my own money on that. I mean, I am, I'm, I'm probably going to a steak restaurant in a couple of weeks uh, locally. Uh, with some friends, which is supposed to be a very, very good steak restaurant, but I don't think they've got gold, gold leaf steaks on the menu. I, I mean, I, I would, I would expect something like Salt Bay, you know, in like the the excess of the '80s before the market crash. I mean, so that's probably, I think, maybe my real question here is: when we see something like this, is this a sign that we are near that that peak? I mean, is this the world isn't a place of well, I mean, this is what this is the bit that I struggle with is that there is a lot of excess at the mm -hmm. moment, but at the same time, there's such a gap and such a divergence with a lot of the, of the complete other end of the spectrum. But I wonder if things like a Salt Bay thousand pound gold leaf steak is sort of one of those signals that makes you realize that maybe this, 
maybe the excess party is getting a little bit too ahead of itself and that you know we maybe we are really at the at that you know pointy end of a kind of 80s style crash that's the thing right i and i've struggled with this for for a long time now at least over a year like yeah. all of the I my take on that would be is that you can't actually tell anymore if something is actually an indicator of something because uh, people were always weird. The problem was back in back before mobile technology, uh, it, uh, you would only hear about something truly excessive if it was so extreme that you heard about it through a paper or something yeah. like that. So it made yeah. it into the national news. Whereas now, uh, you you know you can get somebody being weird. Uh, you know anyone can see it on Twitter or TikTok or or anything like that and uh it's any of our social channels if you want to tune in to watch me (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly exactly like podcasts like booze booms and busts you know previous era if we had a radio show this would be seen as a top signal for the stock market or for something like that Uh, whereas now um you know anyone can do it and uh you know, this is simply, you can just cast a light on people being strange all the time. So way back in 2019, I remember, you, you know, it was uh, YouTube videos for teenagers saying this is how to buy uh, out of the money Tesla calls, right? So yeah. this is, if you, you don't need to know what an option is, uh, but you just need to throw your money into these out of the money t- Tesla options uh, and you'll make a load of money. And this is obviously a ridiculous thing, hugely dangerous, hugely speculative. Uh, and you would imagine this would be a top signal for the stock market, if not at least Tesla. Mm. Yeah, in the end, in 2019, if the, those people just held on to their positions and didn't get margin called, they actually would have ended up, made, all of those kids would have made loads and loads of money for, for being really stupid. Like that top indicator did not actually have any weight whatsoever. And if you paid attention to it, you would have gotten wrecked. So while I think Solbay, yeah, maybe it's a top indicator, probably not because he was already he was already doing his thing a couple of years ago. Um, but I think it's more a probably it probably points to the amount of wealth concentration you have in London, yeah, rather than an actual indicator that things are or you know to use the beer the beer here an impending sense of doom. <laughs> I gotta love it. I love, gotta love it when there's a beautiful segue into the actual beer that's drinking. I am um, speaking of. I should actually probably rate the first beer that I had, uh, the Step Into Liquid Black uh, IPA from Harbour Brewing Co. in North Cornwall. Uh, that's quite good, actually. Uh, like I say, it was it was dark, and I was expecting it to be a little stouty. Um, uh, which it wasn't, so that was quite nice. And but it tasted better at the start than at the finish. But it was still quite a nice beer. So I'm going to give it a B minus. Um, I'll just say, I, I I predict you're going to finish your second beer before I finish my second one. Even though I completely raced you and lapped you with the first beer. Uh, yeah, this second one, I think I'm going to be sitting with it for some time. I mean, I'm getting an impending sense of doom just as I drink this thing. No, well, this ten half percent. Having having said that, I mean that that may maybe maybe not because my second one is so I'm I'm usually not a huge fan of the stout, but my second one is a stout, but not just any old stout. This is from the Harvestown. Oh no, Harveston Brewery, uh, crafted in Scotland. And the brewery is, I think it's in, where is it? Uh, this is like Harveston, yeah? Yeah. Alva, Scotland. I don't know where that is. 
I think we've had a few harvesting beers on this podcast before. Have we? I can't remember. But um, so this one, as I say, raspberry stout. It's called the Raspy Engine, and it's got a picture of a mouse on a small uh, motorbike with sidecar. Crafted in Scotland since 1983, which just happens to be uh, the year I was born. So what a what a great year. Harvest and Brewery, if you want to send me anything on my birthday, you know, feel free. Uh, 5.3% smooth chocolate fruity. But what I what I loved about this um, was their little descriptions. Um, and I, I, I do feel like I want to read this out. So it's called the Raspy Engine, uh, old engine oil infused with fresh raspberries. We've taken our iconic craft stout, the old engine oil, and added a wee bit of sweetness. Well, a fair few punnets of raspberries to be correct. And the result is a beautifully rich, sharp and fruity stout, all thanks to the seasonal instinct of our master brewers. And the raspberries are sourced from the Epitome uh, Fruit Farm, which is a small family-run farm situated in the heart of North East Fife, in scotland i like that because i like the fact that it's using uh ingredients from local farmers uh family-run businesses i like that it's supporting local industry in order to make something that people all over the country can enjoy so i'll drink it and see how we go um like i said usually not a big fan of stout but raspberry stout here we come Ah, oh, there you go. There you go. Well, yeah, I Harveston in Scotland is a very, very big brewer. Uh, they make a uh, a lager called Shehalian, uh, which is very, very common. It's like one of the big competitors to things like Tenants and that. Uh, and you'll find that in a lot of a lot of pubs on draft is the old Shehalian. Um, but yeah, I think I think we've had a couple on here before. Though I've not had this one, Sam. I'll be interested to know what you make of it. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, here we go. Starting to walk. He's had a couple of sips. He's like, ah, giving these guys such a good rep. <laughs> yeah, hey, just because I can appreciate how beer's made doesn't necessarily mean I have to appreciate what it tastes like. It is like it is dark as night too. This this is this if if this, if they called this one step into liquid black, then I could understand that because this is like engine oil black in color. Oh yeah, it's the good old boiler compound. <laughs> as you would, as you would expect. <laughs> now, Sam. So at the moment, uh, you know, we, Bitcoin hit sixty k today. Um, yeah, probably. A, uh, don't know where it is right at this minute. A lot of people are annoyed because the alts are bleeding while Bitcoin is booming. Um, yeah, what's your? Uh, somebody said your... this to me the, the the other day. They're like, alts are getting wrecked. I was like, are they? Are they really? They're not getting wrecked. They're just not doing anything while Bitcoin goes up. Yeah, some of them, not all of them. Yeah, I mean Ethereum's still fine as well. So, uh, I guess it's just people who are very invested in their altcoin projects getting a bit miffed when they see someone else sort of stealing their thunder. Which is basically every day in crypto. Yeah, big time, <laughs> big time. It's it. By the way, it's sixty thousand two hundred. All right. Oh, we are 60.2. When was the last time it was 60k, Sam? Give me a date. Give me a date. Six months ago, I think. Almost to the day. Um, Damn. Damn. Which isn't. That's not. That's not that. That's not that strange. Really. No. 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 It isn't. But well. Well. So April by 2013 standards, this is. You like know what? It is literally almost like I'm exactly six months to the day. All right. Yeah. The crab market. 
Is there, do you think this is a 2013 reboot? Oh, it's a good question that, you know. I um, And then did nothing for a long time and then all time high again. We do talk, I mean, we've talked a lot about parallels with the 2017 market, right? 2017 yeah. and early 2018 market. And there are certainly strong indications that that is a very similar pattern that seems to be playing out. There is elements of the 2013 market around about it as well. It's always so hard, right? I think, I genuinely think that this, this cycle could kick off to a level that is going to absolutely wreck people's minds as to how hard this could run. Um, the, there is much more of a perfect storm geopolitically and uh, global financial systemly, if such a word exists, um so in, in short everything's just a little bit more fucked up than it's been in the last previous cycles and it's not now like you know some people have heard of bitcoin everyone's heard of bitcoin it's not everyone's got some and a lot of people still don't necessarily understand it but all you have to do is read a newspaper look at a newspaper web website or, or watch any form of financial news and they will cover bitcoin now so it's, I think to say that people don't know about it is not right. I think everyone's heard of it. And because a lot of, because pretty much everyone's heard of it, but yet haven't moved on it. I think when it starts to really get cranking, then we will just, the FOMO that could kick in around this next cycle that comes to Bitcoin, but then everything else as it, as it always does in these cycles, when Bitcoin launches, everything else, even though it might not be performing at the same sort of strength, still gets brought along for the ride. Um, I think it's going to melt the faces off a whole bunch of people that were very skeptical about this, this, this cycle even ever happening. Yeah, it will be a very interesting festive season. I, I think, I think that's definitely the case. Um, yeah. I, especially when you consider uh, Bitcoin having an all right time, considering uh, what the stock market's been doing recently. Um, yeah. I think, you know uh, what? well, Karen, go on. I, I think that if people out there are worried about there being a stupid toy shortage or some bullshit where they can't get a box of fucking quality streets for someone because the supermarket shelves are empty this Christmas, buy your mates or your family member or something, get them a bit of Bitcoin. It'll be the best gift. It'll be the most thoughtful gift you'll probably ever give to anybody ever. So scrap all of the ideas of there being shortages there's well there, actually there is a shortage in bitcoin but <laughs> you may as well give them something good give them some bitcoin welcome them with open arms satoshi on their parade um don't remit don't remit satoshi them this christmas that's uh yeah that's a fair i yeah that's fair if it were if we were still in the days of paper wallets being trusted this would that would have been a very good gift these days you're probably gonna need to give them a hardware wallet or something um but yeah, you know I'm just, I, I'm, I'm th so how would you think about doing so i'm thinking about doing that i genuinely am thinking about doing that is giving everyone like so we have this thing um where and if any of our friend my friends are listening i'm sorry um but <laughs> we have this thing where every Christmas we're like, right, we're going to do like a secret Santa. And so, you know, you do a secret Santa and you buy one gift for one person. You do your secret Santa thing. Ta -da! That's how secret Santa works. But inevitably, there's always some people that decide to just give gifts to everyone anyway, which completely breaks the trust 
of the secret Santa cycle. And I am not a fan of breaking these sorts of trust covenants. Yeah, the, the secret Santa covenant. I do not like it, but it happens. And then inevitably we don't have presents for everybody that decides to get everyone presents because that's not what we agreed on. And then I feel like shit. So this Christmas, my backup plan is that if anybody gets me something that is outside the remit of a secret Santa uh, organized syndicate. Outside of the remittance. Outside of the remit. I am going to, you know what? It actually, I was I was gonna say oh, I'm gonna give them Bitcoin instead, but you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna yeah. fucking give them XRP. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna remit some I'm gonna XRP. remit them XRP as a sign of my appreciation for going outside of the secret Santa. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. I uh yeah, I did give uh my father some uh some B- BTC once upon a time. Uh this would have been 2016 for his birthday and uh, he has since said it's one of the best presents he's ever been given no uh, that makes me feel warm inside yeah so sam you know you've got a good idea you know provided btc keeps doing its thing uh, and even if it doesn't it's still going to be a good present and it yeah. makes people think about uh think about these things i mean yeah. what, what in what form would you give it would you say yo i'm going to give you some go install a, you know uh, a wallet on your phone or would you yeah. do go the whole hog and give them like a ledger with some preloaded <laughs> on it i'm i'm nice but i'm not that fucking nice um, <laughs> i was i was actually going to ask you the same question what form do you think would be the best way to do this uh ooh. without well, being without being some sort of you like this kind of i have to step them through everything kind of tech support sort of bullshit just where i'm like here happy christmas maybe it is maybe it is a Paper no, no. Then. The best, the best way, the best way currently is to give them an open dime. So you go. That's uh, true. They're not that expensive. They're yeah. not that expensive. Mm. Uh, yeah, buy them an open dime. So for those listening, an open dime is. Yeah, it's a good idea. Kind of the, the next best thing to a paper wallet because paper wallets aren't that safe anymore. So uh, an open dime is a USB stick which has a a wallet uh, a wallet a bit of wallet software on it where you just plug it into your computer, you dump as many random files, photographs are, are really good, and it will just use the random data that you've thrown into it to create a wallet uh, with a public and private key. You don't know what the private key is, importantly, this is part of the thing, what, what makes OpenDime special, is that uh, you can. it gives you the public key, so you can send Bitcoin to it, but if the person who owns that, that uh, OpenDime wants to actually you know, own the Bitcoin, they want to send that Bitcoin, they actually need to get a pin and push one of the chips on that USB stick off. And after that happens, they'll instead of get, having a green light when you plugged in, it'll be a red light, and it will then reveal what the private wallet is. And you can then use that to send your Bitcoin out. The whole reason they've done this is they've tried to make open, it's called an open dime because it's like a bank, a Bitcoin banknote. So it's very uh, close to a bearer asset. The idea is we've made Bitcoin a bearer asset. Nobody can steal this from you. Nobody can steal the, the Bitcoin off you because they can see that you've not pried that specific chip off. It's quite clearly indicated. And when they plug it in, it'll have a green light on it, which means it's still uh, its integrity is still secure. So you can hand these things off, you know, pass these things away to people, and they'll know that you know, there's Bitcoin on it because they put it in, they check the wallet address, they see what Bitcoin's on it. And they know that Bitcoin won't be stolen because nobody knows the private key, let alone, you know, the person that's given it to you because you need to get rid of that chip first. So you can get these uh, from the guys that make, I think it's CoinKite is the, is the yep. business in Canada. 
Uh, and yeah, they're very cheap and you can, uh, though you do need to pay in Bitcoin, of course, uh, to, in order to, to buy these things. But yeah, some open dime, Sam, that'd be, that'd be good. Yeah, I'm just having a look at their site now, actually, as, uh, as you explain to everybody uh, who they are and what they're doing. You can get a three pack of open dime, um, their original ones for $49. So that's actually really not too bad. Add on when you add the Bitcoin and send and you know put it on as well. That's that's actually not too bad. That, I think that is. I think you're right. I think that's probably absolutely the best way to uh, give somebody the gift of Bitcoin this Christmas. Yeah, and if you buy them uh, in uh, yeah, as a group, uh, they'll give you a discount on it as well. So if you just buy a bunch of open dimes, you'll be uh, yeah, you'll be all good. They're very yeah, CoinKite. They're very innovative. It's all made in Canada. Uh, so uh, for anybody uh, afraid that. Uh, you know, uh, another, another, you know, a business, say, for example, in China is making these things, then putting a special chip in that allows them to, to steal the data. It's all made by the same company. So if you trust the company, uh, you know, you, you can trust the open dimes. Uh, they're, yeah, they're an interesting business. Yeah, indeed. I, uh, I, I was, I, I've been tossing around how to do it. I hadn't, I hadn't thought, I, I know about open dime, but I hadn't, hadn't even thought that they would be the good one, but that is, uh, they've actually, I've just, they've actually got a few other, uh Shrink. variations they've got some co these cool little green special edition ones that don't have open dime bitcoin. or bitcoin on them at all it just looks just says flash drive 32 bytes it's like a little yep. stealth uh open dime stick which is quite yeah cool. yeah they're very good they, they they're thinking of everything though to be honest with you these days if you saw somebody had a flash drive and it said 32 bytes you'd be like mm. Like you can get like twenty gigabytes on a flash drive or more now. Yeah, yeah. It, that's and almost like that's almost that. like the tell signal itself that there's something more on this. Like if it has said like flash drive, yeah, like you say twenty gigabytes or something. Five hundred like five hundred twelve gigabytes. You'd be like, all right, okay, yeah. it's just like it's just a lot. He's got a lot of photos on there. Yeah. Thirty two bytes. What like what can you put on thirty two bytes these days? It's just one word document or something. <laughs> it's just yeah, wow, not the word documents I do. No, <laughs> I don't even think you can put one word document on it. You probably put mm. your name. I don't know, but you're right. It's but anyway, that's a good idea. Open dime. I'm going to do that. I'm going to buy a whole bunch of open dimes. I'm going to put some Bitcoin on it for people. Uh, happy days, Christmas yeah. sorted. Yeah, I mean, now is the time you need to be thinking about Christmas presents. All right, Sam. No, yeah, yeah. Changing gears here. Next subject. What are the shortages going to look like at Christmas time for for toys? How bad you? How bad do you think it's going to get? Do you think there's going to be fighting in harrods and at hamleys you know things to be full on like you know black black friday in the states where you know just yeah, people knifing each other be for plasma tvs fucking bitches smashing each other with their louis vuitton handbags over the who's gonna get the last fucking can of caviar it's gonna be mental um mm. nah i don't know I don't, I don't really buy into it i mean i, I have, again i've had this discussion with Haley because we're thinking about oh what should we get max for christmas and um he doesn't listen to this podcast, thankfully. He's only two and a half, so he doesn't really give a shit. I'm not Eagle Piggle, so he doesn't care. What one I day, say. one day, mate, I know you're going to be listening to this, and I just want to say, hey. Yeah, right. yeah. Thank one day. One day when you're going back through all of Daddy and Boaz's podcasts and you come across this one and you just you realize that that Christmas, I gave away what I was going to get you for Christmas months in advance. Um, so we're looking at Hot Wheels uh, for him this Christmas. And uh, I said to Haley, Haley's like, oh, should we get him this Hot Wheels set? And I'm like, uh nah let's just wait till the black friday sales because they always have deals on hot wheels at the black friday sales and i know because every black friday when i'm scrolling through amazon they have hot wheels deals and i'm like oh i would have loved to have that set when i was a kid i was like should i still buy it for myself and i was like no i'm not a kid anymore <laughs> so i know that they always have hot wheel sales on black friday so we're gonna wait till then and i just don't think it's gonna be an issue 
I think it's a media beat up again over shit that people don't need to get worried about. Um, but inevitably, I'm yeah, pretty sure quite possibly going to Smithy's Toys or whatever it is, Smythe's, Smith's, Smith's, whatever, Hamley. this weekend, it's going to be fucking ass to tit rammed with people trying to clear the shelves off for Christmas. Guaranteed. It's like a self-fulfilling prophecy, though. So even if there isn't a supply shortage, people thinking that there is will create one because they'll just go and clear it all out. Yep. So, you know, you may as well just say it's a supply shortage, you know. Um, yeah, and people read the sun and the mirror and they're all saying the same thing. There's going to be a toy shortage. So people will make them there be a toy shortage. Hmm. Amazon, Amazon, won't. Amazon are always got, like Amazon have always got stuff in their warehouse. Like always. I dare anyone to challenge me on that. <laughs> they that somehow I have. I reckon they've got, do you reckon that they could have secret supply deals with, like companies like Mattel or Hasbro and shit like that. Oh, well, I, I don't like that. You say secret. I mean, they'll keep their, their, uh, their, I believe, I imagine that they keep their contracts and their uh, relationships uh, pretty close under the mat anyway. But yeah, I mean, I think, uh, I think Amazon, priority. when you're that big of a, a big of a deal, I mean, I'm sure they've, they've thought about this well in advance and they're doing what they can to, to make sure oh, it's fine. Though, although I imagine, you know, they'll be able, they'll use the uh, the the auspices of a supply shortage to increase rates on various things, etc., etc., etc. Yeah, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. yeah the, the, um, the Black Friday. I remember sales. a while back, Sam. No, no, Sam. After you with the Black Friday sales. Ah, yeah. So I was going to say the thing is though is what we you're, you're right. We'll probably find that the Hot Wheels sets are twenty percent higher than they are normally anyway, and after the discount, they're exactly the same price as they were last year. So right. probably yeah. makes no difference in the end anyway. Par for the course, par for the course. The psychology of, of, of consumer purchases. Yeah. You know, I thinking back to it, Sam, do you, what happened to Amazon Prime Air? Because that would have been like a decade ago that, I, you know, they <laughs> Amazon first started talking about doing yeah. drone deliveries and stuff. And I remember a school friend of mine at the time saying, you know, you know, shoot one of these things down. You just see one flying around. Like, they flies over your garden. You just shoot it down, right? You can buy a shotgun for like £120 or whatever. You go clay pigeon shoot and and uh you know you just blast one of these things out the sky and you get a free present i mean uh, what happened to amazon prime air uh, from from all understanding i have is that it is still in a trial period i um i still think it's i i, I genuinely think that it will be a function of amazon but only in very limited limited situations i think what's more likely is that you will have autonomous uh, delivery vehicles, um, many of them, small, that will roll up at the front of your house, send you a push notification to say that I'm here, and a little parcel um, sort of garage will open on it, which has your parcel inside. And only yours will open to give you your, your parcel. You'll be able to pick it up yourself. Just you literally walk out, take it out of the vehicle, and then the little door closes moves on to the next house their door opens and you know there might be you know there might be a dozen of these sort of in your in your your area at any given moment that are just wheeling around on the pavement i might add as well i don't think these will be road going vehicles i think they'll probably be deployed from maybe a a larger vehicle that that you know comes in at the at the start of the day and positions itself in a neighborhood uh, and all these little delivery drones go out onto the pavement and start delivering things. So there's a significant reduction in manpower, helps cut costs. They'll all be electric. Um, 
And I think that's probably more likely than aerial drone delivery. Mm. There was a video I saw earlier this week of some dudes in the States, uh, you know, CCTV footage of some guys stealing a Bitcoin ATM yeah. where they'd, uh, they were, they were they're like hoping to find Bitcoin in there or something. It was very sweet. Um, but, you know, do you not think uh, somebody, you know, with a decent, uh, you know, with a decent welding iron or, you know, a nice, uh, you know, one of these proper circular saw things is just going to, you know, abduct these Amazon Prime robots off the street just drag them into a van forklift them in however it how you know however it's required and then just well you know cut them open steal the goodies and then ditch the carcass not really because they'll have cameras all over them so they'll be able to see who who does it anyway uh there's no more risk of that you than someone throw going a, throw out. a blanket over it yeah, but it's like still... it's like one of these falcons you know you just hood them well, what, you can you can throw a blanket a large blanket over a over a vehicle from 50 yards away and not it's be on seen. the pavement they can't be that big well okay well so let's say it's the size of um what's a good comparison for it maybe they're the size of say uh the length of maybe two push bikes right Okay. Um, and, and, and about, about, about the width of the pavement so that, you know, they can stop and they can see people and they can let people walk around and all those sorts of things. Um, are you, nah. the, the, big you, black tent, big black tent. And you, you know, could, one of those fold out yeah. things. You could walk up to an Amazon delivery driver now in their rented van and hold a knife to them and say, give me all your coffee machines in the back. Um, yeah, but because I'll take because, all your scissors and ointment deliveries. Give them to me now. Exactly, exactly. No, the thing is, then you have to confront a person, right? Now, you know, we say we say faceless corporation these days. This way, you can actually steal from a faceless corporation, and you don't even need to face anybody. It's just a robot. You know, you could you feel you could feel like almost. Yeah, you, you see those the, those dogs. You know, they've now got those robot dogs, and they've supposedly put guns on them, right? So this is, like this is where I was going to say. I was like, well, yeah, but what if the Amazon delivery uh, road drone has one of those? Sniper rifle attacks one of those. Of yeah. Yeah, yeah. What, what yeah. if what if it's like um uh what's um I can't remember what's that movie where you they you go to go to open the car? Was it oh, what was it? I can't remember. Um, it goes to open the car, and it just gets electrocuted by it. Um, uh, I don't think I've seen that. I want to say, it's, I know it's like an ad. It's like an advert. Is it in Robo? Is it RoboCop? Is it an advert in RoboCop? It's one of those old '80s movies where it's like an ad within the movie, yeah. and and the ad is for like this car protection system where the like the thief comes to like open the car and they grab the handle and they're like electrocuted or they're like flames come out the side of it or something. Oh, Paolo would know the movie. I can't get. I can't think of it at the moment. I think it's RoboCop, but it might be I think something the, uh, I believe in uh, South Africa, there was a, uh, you know, a car defense, you know, operation system. Uh, one of these security things where like flamethrowers come out the side of a BMW if somebody <laughs> yeah. tries to carjack it. But I can't, you know, you, now you say that. Yeah, I guess the idea is if you do abduct one of these, these delivery trucks and you steal the goodies inside, the, the sort of the, the stick that come the cat that Amazon uses is they just send one of those dogs to fetch it. You know, they just find its beacon and you've got one of these robotic dogs with a big gun mounted on it. And this is, uh, this is Bezos's retrieval trip, retrieval team to neutralize. uh, Also, the other thing is, is that it's not, it's not the only delivery drone in your street. Like I say, these aren't going to be massive vehicles. 
they're going to be doing short deliveries, going back, refilling, coming out, but all, but like this constant kind of cycle chain of, of, of autonomous little delivery vehicles going out from as, you know, like a, like a flatbed truck or something that's, that, you know, maybe they come from. So while you might be trying to rob one, the I'm other not. one that's just driving past is just taking your image, sending it to the police in real time. And by the time you finish getting your angle grinder out to bust through one of the little garages, the cops are already there. So yeah. the idea of a, the idea of a mesh kind of network, a mesh intelligence that they could deliver does make them somewhat more robust and secure as well. Mm. Yeah. I guess you'd need to wait until it goes down like an alleyway, like a, a quiet yeah. little path. Yeah then uh, obviously you're going to be wearing a mask because you're very compliant with COVID rules. Yeah, of course. Uh, and that's when you bring out the big black burlap sack and you just, you yeah. just hoover that thing up. Yeah. And just take it back to its warehouse and then torture it into telling you everything that it knows about, about the artificial intelligence taker. <laughs> before, uh, before suddenly a robot dog blows down the door. Did you see, um, speaking, <laughs> speaking of AI, AI. Did you see the um? You, apparently, there's like you know that AI robot. Is it Sophia or something that they created? It's like this self-aware. Yeah, the Saudi Arabian one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Apparently, it wants to. Apparently, it's now figured out that it wants to have a child and reproduce. Bollocks, man! They just <laughs> whatever they want. They managed to get a headline out of it. Happy days, happy days. Somebody typed in. Somebody typed in behind the scenes. Just say to the reporter, "I want to have a child." Watch, watch your ship blow up. You know, our own friend uh, and colleague, Charlie Morris, actually did have a chat with uh, with Sophia when he was in Saudi Arabia a few years ago. Um, he asked he asked her to tell him a joke. I can't remember what it was actually. It can't have been that funny, I guess. But you know, it made an effort. An effort was made. So uh, you know, that's something. That's something. Those dogs, though, you know. Wow. You know, just can you just imagine like a pack of those dogs, you know, just like galloping through a forest in the middle of the night, just out to hunt down some thief who's somehow damaged Amazon's quarter four profits. <laughs> yeah, they've said some disparaging remarks about Bezos, so they can hunt it down in in the wild. But he didn't like it? Mackenzie Bezos's latest selfie on Instagram. <laughs> Termination required. Was it you that sent me that article about the Iran uh, Iranian nuclear scientist that was murdered by Mossad, uh, assassinated by Mossad, basically with um, a remote-controlled sniper rifle? Was that you? That uh, it wasn't a sniper rifle. It wasn't me that sent that, but no, I believe we both we both read that. Yeah, it was. A, it wasn't a sniper rifle. It was a machine gun. Machine gun um, yeah. They can't be that accurate with uh, with the AI. So yeah, uh, but, it, I mean, like, so this is this is the thing, right? Is that you like these robot dogs are we all everyone knew that as soon as boston dynamics started developing the, the the robo dog and then i'm not sure if the one with the gun strapped to it was from them or if someone else has been developing other ones but you know they're going to be militarized i mean well that's where the money comes from and why, no, but why wouldn't you anyway i mean the I mean, money the, the r d money for that is coming is for defense uses it's not for just for r d's sake uh they definitely want those things for for combat first yeah, and the, the place that they're gonna, they will, they'll start literally. They'll, they fold themselves up into nothing. They could be so well hidden, um, yeah. and then just deploy them um, when they want to assassinate an Iranian nuclear scientist. I, the, the, the future of warfare 
is, uh, I mean, we always knew it was heading this way with, and it already is to a certain extent with, um, you know, drones and drone pilots and the, um, I guess the taking out a lot of the emotion from war when it's more like a video game. But th this is certainly another pretty significant step towards that future of, um, you know, drone v drone warfare. Yeah, I mean, you can, uh, it's like, you can imagine if you look at those dogs and you just see how mobile they can be, we're even calling them dogs, which is ridiculous. I mean, they're just some <laughs> weird kind of robot. They don't even have heads. I mean, they're just four-legged, so we call them dogs for some reason. Quadrupods. Like, yeah, they're quadrupeds. They, uh, you, you see how like small they could fold off if they wanted to be. Like one of those things could like could like just hide in your house. I mean, it could be under your your armchair. It could be hiding in your oven. I mean, like it, they could just you know hide up somewhere, and then I, I'm gonna have to fucking check my oven now. Thanks for that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they could be. Yeah, they, they could be one of those dogs there, mate. If you are threatening Amazon's quarter four profits, you are <laughs> in danger. Be very. I'm gonna I'm gonna write that into the uh, podcast description today. If you are challenging Amazon's quarter four products, check your oven. Big time, big time. You know, this wouldn't have happened when you know back when XRP was the standard. I mean, it just wouldn't have been able to occur. But well, we live everyone, in a everyone was getting rich off of XRP. Yeah, it's true. It's true. It, what's that? Uh, what's that thing they keep saying in Tenet? That movie. Um, what was it? We live in a twilight world, and there are no friends at dusk. <laughs> this is this is the saying for XRP. It's like when XRP is no longer the standard. We live in a twilight world, and there are no friends at dusk. I tell you what, man, that movie is the most complicated. I've watched that movie three times now. I quite enjoy watching it, but I still don't understand it. I am on my fourth. I am on my fourth. Every it's one that it's a one of those weird ones where watching it again is almost as is like <laughs> on a par with watching it for the first time. Yeah, uh, it, you really do learn something new every time. So, like the, uh, the the first the first scene, I don't care if I give away anything to anyone that's 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 not seen it. By the way, so spoilers, spo spoiler alert. This is coming. That first scene where he effectively fights himself. Yeah, where where he's forward, but he's in. Where he's forward, but the other him's in reverse. Yeah. But later on, he, the later him's in forward, but the previous him's in reverse. Like, I, 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 I just, I cannot get my head around that at all. Yeah, it's a funny one, especially when, when you consider that it's a fight. So you assume yeah. that each person is responding to the actions of the other. When yeah. in this, in this scene, they're actually not, which makes it kind of weird. Which makes it way more feels kind of more choreographed i guess yeah like it, it, like, when he's shooting he's shooting to empty the gun rather yeah. than to actually shoot the other guy and stuff it's quite to, to the other guy he the other guy he's he is shooting the gun so this is the thing with time travel style movies is that you end up in these theoretical time loops and the, the very fact that they're fighting like that is a continuous loop. So you, I don't see how they can break out of it. We're getting really deep. We're like, we, we could go, we should do actually a whole episode on time loop movies. Mm. We, may, we should maybe even bring in Paolo and we could just talk about time loop movies and how, how different um, time travel theories do and don't work in, <laughs> in some of these movies because I love a time travel movie. I'm an absolute fiend for them. I've seen some rubbish ones and I've seen some great ones. And Tenet, it just confounds me every single time. 
Yeah, Nolan knows how to make a movie, uh, and Zimmer knows how to make a soundtrack. It is, oh, while it is obviously hugely complex, uh, that was actually the first movie I watched in between the lockdowns, because you know how they managed to release it between one and two, and I saw it in 4DX at, uh, in Leicester Square. Wasn't was that really the first big movie that was actually released to streaming services as well? Uh, oh, I don't know about the streaming side, uh, but it was, was the it first, the first one that was re- It was the first Hollywood movie that was released after the first lockdown. That's right. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. It actually, I think it smashed. I think it smashed a lot of those, a lot of records too. Yeah, not everyone was impressed with it because uh, there were there were some sound issues as well. They tried to mess around with the sound, which made it hard to hear what people are saying. Yeah. Which in a complicated movie, that is not what you want. <laughs> uh, but it it still was. It was still it still is a great spectacle. Uh, yeah. Got Kenneth Branagh pretending to be Russian again. Uh, you've got the, yeah, it's uh, like uh, that didn't work. Yeah, did you watch? Okay, did you watch the Chris Ryan movie they made with Chris Pine? No, sorry, the Jack Ryan movie they made with Chris P- Chris Pine, oh, which yeah. also stars Kenneth Branagh as a Russian like like <laughs> billionaire terrorist. Yeah, look, I quite like Chris Pine, but he's just he's not. That wasn't great. I quite like Kenneth Branagh as well, but him playing yeah. a Russian dude in that movie was absolutely terrible. Um, the best yeah. Jack, to be for me, the best Jack Ryan's been um, uh, uh, the dude from The Office. Dude from The Office, yeah, yeah. I thought the first series of that was good. The second one was terrible. Ah, that's a shame. I liked well, the one, <laughs> what the, the one in Venezuela where it's not socialism that's a problem. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I didn't really think about the political themes. I just watched it for 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 the and took it on face value, which I quite liked. Well, fair enough, fair enough. Now, Sam, rating our second beers. Uh, have we? Uh, could we? Could we summon a rating here? We can. And um, so the raspy engine has grown on me. I, uh, I I'm not gonna lie. First couple of sips of it were challenging, <laughs> but um, I. Do you know what? I actually really like it because that uh that really sort of sharp raspberry taste actually does come through it's kind of like a it's like a five second aftertaste so you drink it it's like no yeah that's that's a pretty nice you know decent stout and then it's not till just a few seconds later that that raspberry kind of kicks in and you're like oh actually that's 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 quite nice it's a little different um so i've actually really quite enjoyed it um and it's not it's not overly heavy as well, and it's not thick or, or difficult to drink. I I am very impressed actually that uh, that this has gotten better the more I've continued to drink it. So I'm going to give this, which is probably the highest rating I've given for a stout before, a double B minus. Oh wow, wow, very good. Harveston is getting a decent rep here, I must say. Sam, have you finished that beer? Uh, I've literally got like one sip left. Oh, wow. I actually did manage to finish the peated red barley wine before Sam did. I really did think he was going to beat me there. But yeah, impending sense of doom by Torside Brewing. They have made some incredible barley wines in the past. This is no disrespect to the brewery, but I'm afraid this one didn't quite cut it. Uh, it is simply too peated. Uh, this, but I know it's peated, so you know you can't, you can't say you didn't, you didn't see it, but this is like too peated uh and yeah very very uh hard to hard to get down you though after you've had about half the uh, the second half is easier so i will give this one an a minus i believe impending sense of doom by torside brewing 
yeah. Uh, a peated red barley wine, ten and a half percent. Quite, yeah, quite the drink. I think I'm gonna be. Yeah, I like. I could feel my face getting pretty warm in the last <laughs> twenty minutes. It's kind of cooling down now, but uh, yeah, definitely, definitely quite a heavy hitting beer. Sam, any closing remarks for this episode? Uh, yeah, I'm going to leave our listeners <clears throat> with this gem. Uh, and I've had this discussion. I've, I've now seen a teaser trailer, a couple of trailers while we're on the subject of, of movies and, and, and franchise names. Uh, there's an upcoming movie with Robert Pattinson as the Batman. So <laughs> yes, another Batman movie. But I'm going to go out on a limb here and I'm going to make a prediction that may be the worst prediction i've ever made but if i'm right maybe the best and i've i called bitcoin fifty thousand when it was one or less uh i think robert pattinson's batman is going to be the best we've ever seen okay yeah okay i said closing remarks you're gonna have to expand on that why why bob pattinson he's not a bad actor He's a very good actor. Very good actor. I I think that what they're going to what they're going to do with this Batman is go down that very dark film noir kind of route. I think they're going to draw on what the original Michael Keaton Batman was, but bring a darkness to it without the kind of uh, like there's, a, there's there'll be an element of of what you got from Christian like Christian Bale's Batman was was brilliant. I still think Keaton was the best. Be, but I think that if you're a fan of the Batman comics uh, and all the you know graphic novels and all the different versions and, and variations of it, um, they the best ones are when Batman goes really dark and deep and um be just becomes a very conflicted soul i think bale's batman touched on it but didn't dive deep enough into that and i think that pattinson may just bring that element of um yeah like a broken soul to the batman character that we perhaps have not seen before which i think i think he can do so well like i just think he's such a great actor that it will be the best Batman we've seen to date. Oh, wow. Very, very bold words there. I mean, I, when you talk about bringing a broken soul to cinema, I hope it's not some kind of uh, Twilight reference you've got going on there, Sam. Um, <laughs> in to- talking about- not, the Twilight movies are shit. I don't hate them. <laughs> I guess that's, a, well, that's where he made his money. Have you read uh, A Serious House on Serious Earth, by the way, Sam? The Arkham Asylum graphic novel. No, not uh, that. Yeah, but one to think of with the uh, Batman going down the dark route. But yeah, very bold. One of the, one of the boldest proclamations I've heard you say, Sam. This is yeah, uh, it's, it's, quite it's, something. It's, it's controversial. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I, uh, I saw the trailer for that and uh, it, it seemed way too much like Suicide Squad for me. But maybe the movie itself will be a lot different. Uh, so we'll have to wait and see. But there you have it, folks. That was episode 62, I believe, of Booze, Booms and Bus. I hope you did enjoy that and hope you'll tune in next week. We shan't be doing this on Monday. Uh, thankfully, we've got a bit more energy this Friday rather than our one earlier this week. But we shall be back next time. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you're having a good beer this weekend. And we'll see you next time.